Welcome to Evil Crazy Genius and today I'm in a wonderful company of the man, the myth, the mystery. After over 15 million pounds in deals made, 20 years of sales mastering, David, who is also known as the angel of sales, is teaching his method and mindset and hacks that are a pure magnet for sales success. So tell me about the stories when you were chased by German shepherds going door to door. Yeah, so it's so it just, I mean, doing door to door selling is it's a very easy way for someone who has no experience to get into just because they'll hire anyone. Most of these companies, <laughs> they, they just want people. So they have a very high turnover of staff. So a lot of people last a week or a month because they're literally getting given really low amounts of training, a product, and they're just going out and they get given an area of 20 roads or whatever to go and knock around and try and sell these products. So you're not talking loads about of Jehovah's Witnesses, are you? No, but we're, no, but one point we thought we were like people <laughs> thought we were Jehovah's Witnesses. So we would go around. So one of them was for like, telephones. So we'd go around and people would sign up to new services. Um, another product was some knife company and you were going around. So, so just <laughs> selling knives. companies. Yeah, so they sell boxes of kitchen knives. Would you think now, imagine turning up at someone's house with a box of knives. Yeah. It's, it's not the same world. It's a, and it just sounds so stupid now. But at the time, I don't know if the world was just more innocent or whatever. Um, so there was just loads of crazy stuff. So you would just be out with these almost real misfits of different people. You'd have some people that were just really smart like me in like a suit. You'd have other people that were tied up in ripped jeans and dirty old trainers. <laughs> Some people that were, that were quite clever, others that were but definitely not. And everyone would just sort of just get dropped off in these cars and they would just go off and they would just go and work. And some of the places you go to would be really nice, big houses, lovely gardens. Others would just be like tower blocks. Um, so you're just seeing such a wide range of different people from different backgrounds. Some really nice and friendly, some just crazy some like was one place we went to before and it was like a tower block and at the bottom of this yeah. tower block it was literally just a guy asleep high on drugs still with the needle in his arm oh god and, and so we literally had to step and because it was the bottom one and we couldn't go over to she had to almost step past him oh over time i'm assuming like 20 20 22 um and i remember just thinking it this was like i think it was my third day on this job i was like is this normal <laughs> Obviously, it wasn't. It was a very, that was the only time I ever saw someone. But it just shows the mix of people that you were going off. And I think with the lives that we live, we spend the time with people like us. So you see other things in life, but you see them if you go to your local mall or your high street or you're driving around. But you don't suddenly go from your life into other people's lives that much um, of a very different background. <laughs> so this was really eye opening. Um, and we were talking a minute ago. So we we were doing these houses and it was like a nice little town, um, quite big houses, but all of them had these really long front gardens. So you'd have the gate and then you'd have a good 20, 30 second walk up to these houses, which weren't massive, just had these huge gardens. And I'd gone through one gate, shut the gate behind me. And as I'm walking up, you can see the front doors already wide open. Um, she just, I didn't really think it, it's middle of summer, it's a nice day. So we just started, I just started walking up and so I'm at this house and the person I'm working with is doing the next house along. So we're both walking down at the same time. <laughs> and literally I was about two steps from the door and this German shepherd comes 
flying out the door, barking like crazy. I, I screamed a little bit. I'm sure <laughs> definitely screamed a little bit and just ran. Who wouldn't? So I just ran. Yeah, exactly. It's just normal. And I've run. I'm running as fast as I can. And now the fence isn't that high. It's only about up to my waist. So well, I've run. The dog can jump, right? Yeah, but but, but <laughs> this point? is a silly fit. This is how my brain wasn't thinking at the time, purely from fear. I ran and I jumped over the fence, not thinking if I can jump this fence, <laughs> the dog definitely can. Because I'm pretty sure a German Shepherd can jump a little bit more than me. Um, yeah. So I've jumped over and then I stopped and turned around. And literally, I'm, I'm my back's pretty much touching the fence. So I turn around, and the dog's there. Oh my God. grounded. Yeah. And my heart's just stopped. I've looked over. The guy on the other side who's doing it is just like, ah. Because then he looks like he's peeking out, like, what's going to happen to him? <laughs> and the woman comes out, and she's just happy as heck. Stop freaking <laughs> out. She's like, oh, don't worry. He's fine. He doesn't. He wouldn't harm a fly. He's such a nice dog. I'm like, I understand what you're saying, but... I wasn't going to stand by the front door because you didn't need to run off. Definitely did. <laughs> you didn't have to. At what point? Off. Wait, I'm not going to wait and go, oh, I wonder if he's a nice dog. He's barking. <laughs> I'm in his garden. He's got his teeth showing. I'm going to run. And it just makes you, it, it makes you realize how wide a range. Because this woman genuinely looked at her German shepherd like it was a little puppy. Like this thing was huge. No, it's a killing mm. machine. <laughs> yeah. And I, 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 when I grew up, my parents had a Belgium Shepherd, so similar but a bit smaller. So I'm quite all right with dogs. I don't mind dogs, not. But any time a dog is running to you and you're in their garden with their teeth glaring, you're not going to just wait and go. Hmm. I wonder if he's really harmless. So yeah, baptism of fire for things like that. And I think the early days of sales doing things like that. We were saying earlier about Jehovah's Witnesses. Like, like little, like the little 10, 12 year old chavs on a, on a council estate, um, throwing stuff, chasing you because they think you're Jehovah's Witnesses, which They're one, throwing I don't think so, stuff you, at you. Yeah, like not being massive, but like throwing little sticks, <laughs> get out of here, blah, blah, blah. And, yeah, cars just coming over. Um, and you say to him, say, listen, we're not Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah, that's what they all say. I'm like, but you ever thought that people aren't Jehovah's Witnesses? But people are not necessarily just going to lie about being a Jehovah's Witness. Like, maybe they're just not Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, yeah. Like, the thing is, if people come to this area and knock on doors, they might not be Jehovah's Witnesses. How do you, like, I don't, Jehovah's Witnesses don't, like, it's not just a breed, is it? So everyone looks different. <laughs> Um, so yeah, just in sales is just from door to door. I think anyone who does um, sales or entrepreneur or is ever going to set up a business, it is an absolute minefield of drama. Some really funny stuff that can happen. But for something like that, it builds such caliber, I think, for people that stick in sales because you have to become so resilient. Because anything like a German shepherd and kids throwing yeah. stuff. But you can go from literally being at one door with a really nice family. I remember before literally being invited in because you could go into people's houses, invited into this couple's house. They were like, I don't know, 40, 45, lovely house, really nice people. She's giving me a sandwich. She's giving me a cup of tea. Wow. We're chatting for ages, like really nice. Just And they, they brought. And you go out from there and you're having a great day. You're like, this is brilliant. And you go to the next door, the house looks exactly the same. And the guy comes out and he's screaming and shouting and swearing at you and get off my thing and blah, blah, blah. And then the next house, they're really nice again. 
So you have to become so resilient in sales and people because you just don't know what's going to happen. But it was never the same day twice, for sure. Man. I, now I'm thinking maybe like psychiatrists should do the same training as salespeople. <laughs> I think so. Because it's just, it, you're such an eclectic, and you've got to be quick with this stuff. You can't, mm. we can, you can't just walk up to a door and sad and glum because someone else has told you no. And I think a lot of people that do sales, especially if you're, it's your own business, if you create a product and you create something like this new cool water bottle and you spend ages and money and time creating it, when you go to launch it, you just expect everyone to appreciate the amount of effort or work that goes into it and go, ta-da, and the sales will fly in. And when it doesn't, I think a lot of time when, <clears throat> when I talk to students especially, they become disheartened because it's not this amazing fairyland experience where I've made it, they came, they brought, I'm rich, life complete. But they don't expect there to be the challenging things, the rejection, the fact mm. of, like we said before, with things like marketing, you can have the best content out there. But if you're in a world where there's huge amounts of content already, we know that we're great. We know that our product works. We know all this stuff. But to everyone else, you've got to stand out from the crowd. So you have to expect to get objections and overcome hurdles to get the opportunity to talk to people about what you have and to stand out. And a lot of people now, we're so used to just seeing ads that we just scroll past them, don't we? And if we expect it, if we expect that to happen or we're prepared for that, it's not a problem. But I think if you expect to call 50 people and they get 50 sales, people are going to have a really bad time because it's not going to be that way, is it? Yeah, it's a numbers game, definitely. The same with ads, like it's it's so hard to overcome that banner blindness. And people think like, oh, if I have a fantastic product, there's nothing standing in my way. I will just mm. tell it to people and the people will bite. No, yeah. first you have uh, to like actually convince them <laughs> and go through all mm. those like seven, I think it's seven um, laws of like why people will want it. But this is, this is the thing with a lot of people out there. We're not prepared to be different, to try different things. One of the, so with the platform I have, which I use for the coaching, one of the main sections, before people do anything, I'm like, start at the sales 101. And this goes through all the steps because a lot of people are trying to just get in for the sale without understanding all the bits beforehand, what they need to do, how they need to do it. And there's so many little tweaks that amount to a massive difference in the delivery or the experience for the buyer. Like we're saying with things like ads, to do an ad, you could do the same ad just with slightly different text, slightly different colors, slightly different audience, and get dramatically different results. And I think this is one thing I talk to a lot of people about, there's a massive difference between sales and marketing. Um, mm. A lot of people out there that, are, that do marketing and can be good at sales, but the tweak on what you do and the method, methods that you do behind it can make a dramatic difference. Um, having the different structures that work, and that's what I think ruins it for a lot of people, is they plan on being a massive success in a week, and it doesn't happen. Um, but actually, what you've done in that week is work out a lot of ways that doesn't work for your product. 
So you have to have a combination of different strategies you're working, tweaks that are going to work, working out how that's going to fit in, like we said earlier, fit that into your day. But halfway through your day, you're going to take an hour to look at your strategies, work out what we're going to tweak, mark it down in a notepad on what's working, what isn't. So Mm. that after a month, you've got a clear idea, well, this didn't work. This audience doesn't like it. This audience does. Now, at that point, a lot of people I speak to spend a lot of time arguing. Well, actually, if you look at audiences, for example, 18 to 24-year-olds should love my product. Well, if they don't, they don't. Yeah. If the results say they don't, stop it. Like, just move on. If, if you've put out there and you've spent £100 on ads and X amount, thousands of people have seen it, and the 18 to 24 column is low, but the 25 to 35 is really high, there's no point in worrying about it just because the audience is different. If you found your audience, sell to your audience. Exactly. But a lot of people have this ideal of what they want, who will use my product, how they'll use it. Um, there was a guy I knew before that was dealing with, um, he had his own, what's like, um, bit like, bit like these, this type mm-hmm. of thing, headphones. but without the mic on the side. Yeah, headphones. Yeah. I don't know why I forgot what headphones were called then. <laughs> Happens um, to the best of us. <laughs> yeah. And he was doing white labeling from China. So he found a good company with it. And he was like, I want sports people to use these in the gym, blah, blah, blah. I was like, but have you thought about marketing to other people, gamers, stuff like that? No, I don't want that. I don't, I don't want that audience. I only and he, what he wanted to do, he wanted to he wanted to see his product in gyms. I was like, well, that's mm. great if that's what you want, but surely the point with this business is to get as many pairs of headphones sold. That's the brand. That's exactly. the idea. Apple have created a cool product, but they wanted to sell phones. That's pretty much the target. Um, They're not looking to get something. If you look at cars, cars will make a concept cars and they'll spend millions of pounds on something that will never get made. Now that's their cool thing, but then they make the cars that the masses want to buy. Um, And I think that big difference when people start marketing a product and they don't look at the stats puts them in a really bad position. Yeah, I feel like it's a very common mistake when you're starting a business, when you think about what is your ideal user persona or customer persona. You start, I think it's something that is taught to us at universities or courses quite a lot, that you have to begin with that. You have to begin with Mm. who do you want to deal with? And the question I probably, you have to ask yourself is maybe where do you want to get with that business? Because a business in the end, it's not a hobby. It's something to Mm, grow and create revenue. So I guess that, that should be the outcome you should like, have as a North star and then figure out the details. My friend had something yeah. very similar when you mentioned the, like the, 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 the ideal user persona and the reality. Cause he was selling, um, he has a brand that sells watches and sunglasses and he had the right. same idea of like, we're going to sell to people who are young who are hipster, blah, blah, blah. Turns out the demographic that was willing to buy, not only willing to buy, but they now have a huge fun base where, Mm. Well, 55 plus years of age. Which was just a shock to them. Yeah. Yeah. But this is where a lot of people have taken it out. If you're building a personal brand, tailor that around you and what you wear and what you mm. like. But if you're building a glasses business, either find the glasses for that audience and be prepared to go through loads of designs or see who likes the product, then build the audience around that. 
Um, and if you've already got the product, you know, I think you'd be crazy. Oh, we're selling a thousand pairs of glasses a month to 55. Oh, don't, I don't want the money because I only want 18 year olds. Like it would just be crazy to do that. And I think True. this is the thing with a lot of businesses and a lot of um, entrepreneurs, especially one of the traits for the successful people, you have to be adaptable um, and adaptable around stuff that you didn't want to adapt with. You can't just have, it's not just your baby. It's mm. great to have that idea and that dream, but it has to be adaptable. If your audience change, if their needs change, if, the price bracket changes if the values change if whatever it is and you you decide to stay where you are you're going to be in a position where you're not going to have longevity because everything's evolving if you think now about mobile phones i only really use my laptop for a handful of jobs my oh, phone does okay. pretty much everything for me that's true um I, and i i even with things like canvas if i do a post on my instagram I, I use my laptop now to use camera, I'm presuming. Yeah, so when you, when you do the seamless carousels. So I'll use, if I'm doing a seamless carousel, I'll do that on my um, on my laptop because you can't do that on the, um, the phone app. But on my phone app, I can do it quicker if I'm doing a normal one because the drag and drop, and the, because phones are so adaptable to what we need. Now, if you went back five years ago, phones were not good enough to be able to do that. The connection wasn't good enough. The standard, the apps, the drag and drop facilities were not good enough. So you couldn't. But now it is harder work to have my laptop. It's quicker for me to send emails on my phone than it is to necessarily go through on my laptop. I, do, I, can, I type quicker on my phone than I do on a laptop. So oh. it's, just, it's just more convenient as well. Okay. With a lot of my stuff I do, I talk to a lot of people over Messenger on um, Instagram Messenger, Facebook. I find Facebook so much easier on my phone than it is on a uh, on a laptop. Otherwise, messages are popping up here and this going on. Where actually, I can just scroll through, do, and because everything's just set. Um, and I think people that now, like we take their selling, there's people out there that are still making good money from selling through email or direct mail. But the majority of people move on to being online. The majority of people have a bigger presence on social media and care more about their social media than they do a website. I don't have a website. I've got lots of VSLs for different demographics because that makes more sense because everyone wants more of a personal approach. And if, if we don't adapt to that, then in a year you can be out of date. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so you're basically saying that your channel agnostic, whatever works, it works. You don't yeah. have a favorite channel. Like you don't have a channel baby. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, I think my, my go-to thing for anything is Instagram just because I'm a, I'm more of a visual person and simplistic mm -hmm. things work for me. So the way that the grid looks just looks slick. We're actually going through my feed on Facebook. I just, I just don't vibe with it as much. But I also, one thing which I'm trying to make sure I'm doing now is trying to make sure I'm tweaking and changing things for different platforms with Facebook text, where a photo seems to work better for me than a carousel will work on um, Insta. So you can do the same post. But I think people on Facebook are taking more time to sit and read a long text where on Instagram, people are used to looking at a picture. 
So a handful of pictures, people seem to absorb it quicker. And I think, again, we have to adapt to those changing times. Yeah. So it's like when you have a tension grabbing uh, picture, it's like also like you need a picture, like either Facebook or Instagram. It needs it to grab attention for yeah. sure. And I think that's the one thing now with, with Facebook, especially because Facebook, I, I, I'm spending more time on Instagram. Um, mm. But with Facebook, I've now just took over a group, uh, which I'm now just going to reignite. So I'm spending a lot of time working with someone now on how to get that done because Facebook isn't my expertise. So I'm a big believer. If you're not an expert in an area, you go and find those skills. So now I've got someone who's great with Facebook. They've spent their time working out what not to do, how not to do it. Now, I don't want to spend the next year or even three months messing around on a group and making silly mistakes. Mm. There's a certain way to tie your shoelaces up. If someone just teaches someone, like if you just have to guess for your whole life, it would take a long <laughs> time. Or just watch someone who's done it. <laughs> True. Yeah. Or maybe like get a foundation and then try to tie the shoelaces. Mm. You know? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like just get like the first <laughs> knot and then see what happens. Mm. Exactly. And and it's if you if you're going into something completely blind, mm. again, if you, if you're a Facebook user, that doesn't mean you'll be a great creator because if you're Very absorbing true. something, people are used to looking through and knowing what pies they like. But you might have a very unique point of view on stuff. If you're someone who's those people out there that just get on with everyone, they actually seem to have a better perspective and more adaptable to different changes. But if you're someone who's who's got a very unique hobby and you don't have a wide circle, then actually you might be an expert in your field, but you might need more help from external sides to look at other people's opinions, other people's point of views, or the people that you're trying to attract might be different to you. That's the most interesting thing. What do you mean by were well, you trying to attract people that are very different from you? Like we were saying about the glasses earlier. Yeah. If you're if you're pro- if you're a hipster, but your product is tailored around suits. If you're a hipster mm-hmm. that likes making suits, but your main people that buying suits are going to be office-based jobs, even the way you live your life could be quite different from whether you wanted something which is more, even silly things like the cut of a suit, the way it fits, the colors, the textures, the patterns, the inner linings, the practicalities. If you want to be a great suit designer and you're somebody who wants to wear very flamboyant suits, you have a choice at that point. Alienate a huge amount of people that work in an office or you have your crazy wild range, which is your baby, but you have mm-hmm. the products which you sell on a day-to-day basis, which will appeal to the masses. Now, if you're not, if you've never worn something which is a plain suit, you might want to take advice on the subtle differences from some of the brands out there will do just a very slight different colored stitch or a different colored button, or the tapering might be slightly different. So if you're a hipster that wears a certain style, you might need to take the advice from someone else to make sure you appeal. Otherwise, all you're doing is take the suit that you wear and changing the color. Right. Well, I mean, some people wanted, <laughs> maybe there is a different mm. graphic. It, it, again, like it's, it's the question as well, like how you price it. Right. It's like, if you exactly. want to take advantage of the economy of scale or you can price it so much that you don't have to, but that's yeah, a whole exactly. different topic. <laughs> oh, what, me, yeah. So much. Yeah. Tell me what's your like favorite student story 
if that's not a secret, that that was like just an epiphany moment for both you and them. Um, I, th I think with a lot of stuff out there, I think a lot of the students that I deal with mm. are not the same as me. I think if, if you're going for a mentor or a coach, and you, you, a lot of people want to get a coach and they want to find someone that they get on really well with and like best mates and we've got the same goals. It doesn't necessarily work like that. A lot of the time, if you've got certain skill sets that you've got, you want to find a coach that either has um, expertise in a different area because their, their strengths are your weaknesses at the moment. You're not going to a coach whose strengths are your strengths because that doesn't make sense. Then you've just got a friend. So a lot of the time, and one of the big realizations I have is, I say to a lot of people at the time, I'm not always here to tell people what they want to hear. A lot of the time, I'm there to tell them what they need to hear. And I think with if you've been so close to a project that's your baby, and you've got someone who's very loud, um, full on, like I am, and <laughs> I have the experience and the skills to back that up, it can be a shock sometimes for people doing that. Because then they're like, oh, they're used to it just being them and their ideas and their solutions, and they've never had to question what they do. And one of the guys, um, a guy called Jamie, is quite quiet, really driven, but he just gets on with it. And we would sit, and he would be like, I need to do X, Y, Z. I'm like, okay, so what have you done? What have you tried? And he would go like, ah, I don't like, because he never had to vocalize stuff before, because it was very much just him and his projects. So... By me having to ask, I can't help him if I don't know where he wants to go, what's he tried, what's the idea. So suddenly he was getting frustrated with this. I'm like, well, we, can, we can work in silence. I can just randomly tell you stuff to do because you're still going to be paying me or we focus on getting you the results. I said, so what we need to do is we need to put you in a painful moment for the next week. We need to make you uncomfortable for the next week, sit and talk and vocalize the stuff you haven't done. I said, after a week of you doing that, one, you're going to be more comfortable with talking to me about that. Two, we're going to become more effective. And three, as soon as you start seeing results of what I'm telling you, you're going to be more committed to it. So one, that was quite a bit nice thing, because at one point <laughs> when we were training and coaching, he was almost at the stage he was getting a bit annoyed because he's like, oh, this is just it was becoming an inconvenience in his head. But <laughs> sometimes you've got to knock all the walls down yeah. to start again. And what we were doing, we were taking something that he had that's small, but he wanted to make it big. And we almost had to pull it apart for a little bit to start with to work out where he really wanted to go. Because what got into here wasn't going to get into here. So we had to almost change a lot of the stuff he was doing, which meant letting go of some of the stuff he really loved. But it was letting go of what you have to grab something bigger later. So that was really interesting with him. Um, and it worked really well. Um, he's someone now, he now gets me a lot more because with experience, you, you get understanding with people. So he knows mm. if I come across a bit blunt sometimes, it's because I'm trying to get something done now for him. So sometimes he's like, that's not, he will say to me, Listen, Dave, that's not a priority for me now, but let's talk about that in a couple of months. And I'm cool with that because at the end of the day, this is his project. I'm there as an assist for him. I'm not trying to pick up and run the ball. I'm here to bring value to him. So if he's like, listen, I don't want to do that. I'm like, cool. I'm only telling you this because of ABC. If you do this, this is what we'll get. He's like, I'm all right for that. Not doing that now. Cool. So let's do this instead. So then we make sure we're now working on things. Now we've got the foundations right on the areas that matter to him. 
So he isn't as bothered about getting huge amounts of deals. But what he does have, which is good, he has lots of opportunities to be able to upsell clients. So actually getting a strong foundation of clients that he can then build from over the next two, three years was more important. Now, we had to pull everything back to get to that stage. And now he has. Now it's going really well. Mm, yeah, definitely. That's something I think like the, the, um, that's the path from beginner to somebody who's a little bit more advanced instead of just like mm. trying to get as many clients as possible. You try to retain them and make them happy and bring them more mm. value. So it's it's just yeah. like a paradigm shift. <laughs> I, I think also with him, he likes to meet a lot of his clients face to face at times. Mm. Um, so he, his idea, his ideal birthday on his 30th party would be 20 close friends, not 500. And he likes to build one-on-one relationships with his clients. So the idea of helping him to scale that big doesn't work because it comes away from exactly what he wants. He likes the closeness. He likes to relate to his people. He likes to see what they're doing and know what they're up to, which is great. So then he gets a lot more. So a lot of stuff we done was building referrals. Because if you've, if you've done something with Jamie, but you've got a friend who also could use Jamie, that's great for him because he's expanding his client base, but he's increasing the family base as well because the relationships are still being kept. And knowing that with people is one of the big points. It's not always about say this to get the sale. It's like, well, where do you want to be in three years? Here's some paths that will get us here. Which path would you rather take? Would you rather go big? With, like we said before, price is an easy one. Do you want to find a product that you have to sell a thousand of or a product mm-hmm. that you sell for less and make sell 10,000 of? And here's the benefits of this and here's the benefits of that. Here's what we'll need to do. And this is what, and then you go, okay, this wasn't really the path I wanted, but actually the path to get there fits a lot better. And that's where a big thing with the coaching really comes in. Basically, just just distilling the information, distilling the the values and the the goals. Yeah, Massive I think that's a huge part. And um, there's something that I'm reading right now. It's it's basically it's a little bit on the voodoo magic side, mm. <laughs> almost. Uh, but yeah, they're talking about how you you can have clear goals, but it's like the law of attraction is also in play whenever you're setting goals and whenever you're distilling the clear intent of where do you want to be and what are the features of getting there? What is the the kind of path that you want to take? Not only you have a clear vision of like what to follow and you have the room to play of how to get there, but also like there's um, nobody really knows how it works, but there were studies that confirmed that it does, that your mind basically there's like some people say it's the cognitive dissonance um, Mm. that that is uh, working on that situation that, it basically, whenever you have in mind the clear path in the future, but in the present you don't have it, the mind is so powerful that it's it starts, it's it's powerful but very, um, how would I put it? OCD. It loves putting yeah. things in boxes and at place. So it tries to create as little difference from what you have in mind to mm. what is in reality. So you just automatically start doing these things. I think yeah, I I think with a lot of people out there, I, I I'm a big believer in the law of attraction. I really am. I think the, the the big problem is now the more people talk about the law of attraction, where we're always seeing online about hacks, how to become a millionaire in half an hour, 
think of being a yeah. millionaire will happen. Easy. And so what <laughs> happened, yeah, and what's happened yeah. is the law of attraction and the science behind it is incredible and works. The problem is people have done a spin-off of it on their own version of, oh, listen, if we just talk about being millionaires, it's going to happen. Then it doesn't happen. Then people say law of attraction doesn't work. Well, no, the law of attraction isn't just, this is great. Think about that wall's going to be pink. My wall is pink. Like it's not going to turn pink unless I paint it. But with it a lot could. of stuff in life, <laughs> magically happened. You but have the wall. Could, like so your, your neighbors maybe can like, like what was, what's the word? They, like sink you or something. something. Else, it can turn yeah, pink. Something could happen with it. And I do believe it in the same way, but with the more people manifest in what they think about. Same as when you buy a car and you suddenly start seeing the same cards around. And that's the reticular activating system, I think it is, in your brain. Mm. So because you've brought that car, you've invested in that car, you're focused on this car, your brain then knows that you like this thing, so it starts finding you more. Um, so it shows you more. And it's not because everyone's gone and brought the same car as you. They were already there, but your brain is clever enough to be able to pick these things out. Sure. So if we've all had experience with cars in that way, which most people have, why would we possibly think that won't happen in the reverse or negative things that we think about? And I think a lot of the time people overcomplicate stuff. I don't know how and why, if I press that switch on my wall, lights come on. I couldn't sit and write a book about how electricity works, but I know it works and that's enough for me. And I think a lot of people out there, they're very quick to say electricity isn't real, but they'll use it, <laughs> right? People are, oh, no, no, that's not, that's not true. This is, now, I don't, I don't need to be an expert on it. I know the fact of what, if I, I've had experiences of focusing on things bad and good, and it happens. So if you're going to think about something, you might as well be thinking about the things that you want, working towards the things that you want, because there's nothing good by thinking about the bad stuff. Well, you're only going to prove yourself right. It's not going to necessarily help. Yeah. You're going to just focus it and see more of it and attract more of it because you like, that's yeah, like your reality. The same, I guess in sales, it's even more um, highlighted, I guess. Yeah, hugely. With a lot of people out there, the biggest problem I see with some salespeople is they come in, they do stupid stuff, and for some reason it works, and then they think that's the way. <laughs> Right, like so they say things, but make no. I knew a guy before, and this guy was hugely full of enthusiasm, really likable guy, yeah, and would say dumb stuff. But a lot of people would Give buy into his genuine, just just saying things that made no sense. Like he'd be, he would talk, he used to sell cars, and he would say things that didn't make sense. Like he would talk about, he would say the wrong make of a car to someone, and you could tell the person knows he said something wrong. But because he's so genuine, people let that go. Now, there was another kid that was really analytical, but mm. completely unpassionate. And he was very driven. It had to say exactly the right thing all the time. So he then tried to copy what this guy was doing. But because he's being fake, because he wasn't a genuine person, he was... He would, so the other guy is making loads of mistakes and doing loads of deals. This guy is trying to do things and he tries to copy him and it doesn't work. And you've got to make sure with a lot of stuff, especially in sales, that your mindset's right. You've got to be genuine. You have to do all the other things out there. And you have to start with the end in mind. If you're going into a sales presentation and you're thinking, this is pointless. I'm not going to get the deal. You're going to go in with a very different way. Your delivery will be different. The way you talk to them, the way you engage with someone. 
the belief in yourself, the way you carry yourself, the way you sit, the way you speak, all of these things all make big differences over the time. And people end up repelling customers because they're down on themselves. Now, everyone talks about the whole fake it till you make it stuff. I was thinking it. I was mm. like, is it true now? Is it? Because it is, I I feel like in a certain key though, like you can't, you can fake your confidence, but only the beginning to build momentum. That's the difference. Faking faking your confidence is fine. If Mm. you are, if you're feeling terrible today and you feel rough and you just want to stay in bed and you are depressed, if you do depressing things, then you're only going to continue. Like we say, it's going to manifest with you more. So if you're having a terrible day, acting like it's terrible is definitely not going to brighten it up. But if you sit there and you try and be funny, you try and think of it, you have some gratitude, your shoulders pop back, you smile a little bit. I think everyone's had an instance when they were younger, when they're in a bad mood and someone tries to make them laugh. And they're like, don't try and make me laugh. Like they get grumpy with them. I'm mad, because, okay? Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm in a bad mood. Don't take because we we we're manifesting in that mood, and we almost we become like people almost enjoy it sometimes. But like they're in that bad mood and they want to stay there. And I think there is something there with it. Um, and I think a lot of the time people give themselves a really hard time. Um, people have the expectation of perfection, which I mean isn't real. They expect happiness to be a destination they're always going to be at, which is just, it's not possible. And I think if you hold yourself far too accountable, if you have perfectionism of a name, if you think happiness is permanent, you're always going to have a level of disappointment. Well, actually, it's sad, but people die, people get ill, someone can crash into your car. It doesn't mean when someone crashes in your car, you're like, wow, that's amazing. I can't wait to see what next. Like, you're going to get annoyed. No, you're gonna get you grumpy, can say but... that. You can be like, hey, that's, that's that will make a cool story. Just like you and German <laughs> okay. Shepherds, you know, <laughs> and free just But flying. at the time, I wasn't that way. Now I look back with it with a diff- with gratitude and all the stuff. Um, and I think with a lot of stuff out there, I think a lot of people, if, if they get sad or things don't go their way, they start questioning themselves too much. They start doubting mm. themselves. They look at the Instagram life and seeing everyone else is having a great time. Oh my God, they're having the best life. But actually, they think for some reason, so say if I post my best life, but then I look at, I know it's not, but then I work at other people and I'm like, oh my God, they're living the best life. No, you know you're not. Why would you think <laughs> anyone else is? Um, and we're, we're quick to have that warped view where we think everyone else is living the, the great times. No one else is going through struggles or hardships. And then mm. people weigh that on their shoulders so much that it's hard for them to come out of it. Um, but I think a lot of the time, people need to unlearn a lot of those bad habits as well. Yeah, and limiting beliefs as well. Yeah, massively. I, I was talking to someone the other day about it, and with the limiting beliefs, it's very easy now, again, with social media the way it is, that we talk about limiting beliefs, and everyone's like, I'm going to be a billionaire. <laughs> I'm like, that's cool, right? And that's great. But what are you doing today to get yourself towards it? Exactly. And I feel like everybody has that perfect excuse of like, social media is oversaturated. Oh, like even mm. if I ran ads, I won't be heard. Like, no, like I can't start YouTube, TikTok, what like you name, like fill in the gap yeah, now. Yeah. Like it's too late. You know, I'm not good enough. Well, I'm not exactly. good enough. It's like, eh. 
still. But, 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 but what this is the whole thing with it. People, there's a lot of people out there that are spending their time and their energy deflecting to people that don't care why they haven't done something. But actually, the majority, if we're not doing something, the majority of the time it's us it affects more than anyone else. Most other people are caught up in their own lives. Um, and they think that people don't like this. And I think a lot of the time, when we're hearing our voices in our head and we're, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that, it's not us saying it. It's people saying it from years ago and it's an echo of what they said, hence why they're saying you and not I. And I think people latch on to negatives so much, so much, but we don't do the same with positives. If I give you a nice compliment, say, oh, wow, you look amazing today. You go, oh, great, thanks. Or even worse, people go, well, I don't really. But they go opposite. <laughs> if someone says you look terrible, yeah. Or they go, oh, you look terrible. They'll hold on to that, you look terrible, for months. There is, um, uh, I completely forgot what's the name of it. Uh, terrible name memory. It's There is a scientific explanation of that. It's basically like a bell curve like an opposite one so it's like an s shape and it's it explains why um the the negative impacts on our life are much more memorable and painful that this for example if you lose one okay let's say 100 pounds it's more yeah. painful than if you gain if it you find it mm. and there's like an explanation for that it's it's so strange but it's it's true and once you are um, aware of that bias, you can kind of like try to counteract it. Exactly. Yeah. And I think I think that's the thing with it as well. Even if it's scientific reason behind why it happens, yeah. people need to be, I think we have to be more mindful of those. Hmm. I suffer with anxiety hugely. Um, and it's really affected me over the years. And hearing different ways and different explanations, all that does is gives me different points of view with it. And at some point, Someone can say something and you hear the same thing over and over again, but suddenly it's from a different voice or a slightly different and it resonates with you more. Mm. I think people need to seek more just because you're not getting what you want in life doesn't mean you should stop listening. It just means you might need to listen to different people or exactly. listen to it. On, like If I listen to music on a laptop through terrible speakers <laughs> or you have it on your or you have it on your earphones, it just resonates in your head so differently and i think people don't spend enough time with the belief it could be better true absolutely true and that's why so many coaches exist by the way spin off then on the anxiety have you heard of mel robbins i heard the name but not known she she has this like typical like five seconds rule and basically she had she was crippled with anxiety since she went to uni and for like 20 years or something she couldn't mm. it got so bad it she couldn't get out of bed but like you should like look her up later it's yeah well i've literally just crazy. write it down then <laughs> mel robbins five seconds rule watch the there's an episode of impact theory it's like a, an hour-long thing but it's life-changing really i'll look yeah. it up yeah, she's she's awesome. But okay, I'm a big well, believer in going and looking at that sort of stuff. I've, and I think <laughs> when anyone talks to me about something, but we'll get off this pod. When we get off the podcast, I'll go and look at it. And I think a lot of people will write things down in a notepad and never come back to it. And I think that's the problem. For me, I'll see that today. I'll look at that today. I'll be dropping your message. Going, oh wow, this was blah blah blah. Because we should absorb that stuff. Exactly. I think it's a huge difference between people who get somewhere in life and people who like just say that they're going to get somewhere 
people who are like listening to the all those like amazing podcasts about meditation or like you name it all those like fantastic habits you can acquire and then they never do it but don't hold themselves accountable either um and i this isn't me saying um, i don't think either of us are saying other people are terrible but for me i my habits were awful like i i've been a procrastinator for years i've had this and i've done that and i've made massive mistakes and i see now with a lot of what i do it's for small steps of being accountable for like we said earlier about doing the lists in my morning doing my terrible jobs first doing this every day doing that i have a list of everything of there's about eight things that i do every single day for work whether it's even silly things 30 minutes of interacting with people on facebook on instagram making sure i do posts make sure i do this no doing that one thing doesn't necessarily change our life but if you do those habits and you keep your word to yourself and keeping your word to yourself, then you hold yourself accountable for everything you do because you're used to keeping your word. And you feel proud of yourself. You're like, I'm a man exactly. of my word. I can rely yeah, on myself. Does. I'm not slacker. You, yeah, exactly. And then when you do a big goal, you're more likely to hit it because you're used to doing it. And like we were saying goal setting earlier, one of the big things that I always teach people about goal setting, apart from the usual stuff, write it down as if you've got it and put a date on it. It's breaking the goal down into the manageable steps into if you're going to buy a car, there's a step on there, but you have to test drive it. You have to look at this. You So but when you do each one of those steps, it's nowhere near as daunting to do. And it's like it with life. And especially for people I, I coach with, they can get frustrated. So I'll be like, have you done this? Have you done that? No, no, I didn't. And they get beating themselves up about it. But if you've got a list of 10 things and you only do seven, that's a lot better than when you used to only do three. And then you wait next month to be able to get to, right? As long as you're progressing, that's the main thing. Um, and I think a lot of people regress, if anything. Yeah. I don't know what's what's worse, like regressing or staying stagnant. Because <laughs> regressing, that's a movement still. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna, yeah. I, I, I think the stagnant <laughs> side, um, because you can go through stages of regressing, um, and you're, you you can go through stages because things happen in life and people regress. Yeah. But it's what happens after that stage. If you just stay stagnant, there's nothing going on. Um, and I think if you're stagnant, you're numb. Yeah. Just in general, like you're numb to anything because uh, I think a lot of the time, if you're stagnant, if if things are regressing, a lot of the time people are ah, what is happening? This How is, is this interesting. <laughs> Yeah. But if it's stagnant, a lot of the time people, I think, feel they're not in control of their life, their destiny, their future. They just think things are happening to them, not mm. because of them. Um, and them. because of that, then, yeah, or for them. And then so they're not taking positive action steps to come out of it. Mm. Well, what are your favorite actions that you can take, like for a person who is just either like trying to get better at sales or like, what are your favorite hacks, basically? Is it cold calling that everybody um, hates? <laughs> do you know the thing is, I was saying about the door-to-door stuff earlier. If yeah. you cold call, you will become more resilient. Hmm. Now, there's, there's big gaps between this. What are you selling? How are you selling it? All the other stuff. But if you work for a company um, or you've got a business, you've got a good product, etc., you should be excited to talk to people about it. The good thing is with sales... Sales is not industry specific. So if you don't like the industry you're in, change. 
And I, I was talking to a guy the other day and he's like, oh, well, I lost my job. So he's looking at doing coaching. He's on the fence. He's like, but well, I might lose my job. I will. If you're going to lose your job, you're not going to go and get another one. He's like, my industry's in trouble. He works in travel. I said, I understand travel is, but sales isn't. Why wouldn't you just go to another industry? He said, well, what happens if they're not hiring? I was like, well, become so good at selling that you go and sell them why they should hire you. (laughs) If you're you're so good at selling, but you're scared to go and talk to someone about, if your objection is we're not hiring at the moment, and you go, oh, okay then you need to start uh, the start again anyway, because you need to be looking at what you're bringing to the company and how they help it. If you're not prepared to... Oh, yeah. If you can't get a job as a, <laughs> and you are a salesperson, yeah, what the exactly. hell are you doing? <laughs> if you can't sell yourself and you've known you your whole life about why you would be an asset to a business. Um, but I was this guy before. He's like, well, well, what happens if I haven't got a buy that? He was finding every excuse. And I said, listen, if you find, if you've got an industry you're experienced in or you're not, but you've got the sales skills and you go up to them and you say to the business owner, listen, this is what I can do. Don't give me a basic. Give me a hundred percent commission. I'm going to smash it. Most businesses are going to be like, okay, <laughs> because they've got a no lose solution. The exactly. worst case scenario is they hand you some leads. Um, and a lot of people out there, they go, oh, what happens if I don't sell? A lot of people out there, They've got sales experience, but they're not necessarily a sales expert. So mm. they're used to being, mm, so they've got, they're used to, if you work in a business and even if it's outbound selling, so you're calling people, if they generate the leads for you, they have the emails right out for you. They got a brochure design. So almost all you're doing is you're filling in the gaps. They wrote a script. They've told you what to say and when. Yes, you are effectively selling. If you can write your own script, if you know what questions to ask, if you know how to handle the processes and you become self-sufficient, you'll never need to be at the mercy of any employer again because then you are able to take someone who has a remote interest in what you do or how to market or how to prospect and then take them through a process effectively and efficiently to do it. to come to your question, I was sort of to go off on a tangent. My first thing for people is knowing, prospecting, how to talk to people, which sounds so stupid, but knowing how to talk to the majority of people and what to say and when. A lot of people okay. out there got Did you have any like pushy. horror stories about like people I not I get them able- all the time on social media. There's wow. a lot of a lot of I get what's the typical mistake because I feel like everybody is making a lot of mistakes now. Like let's especially with like, like if you're on LinkedIn, that's like you just you must get one of those at least once a day. Like emails. I like, get in, on Instagram. Messages. I get probably I get about ten. <laughs> It, 10 or 10 dms i don't have a massive following on instagram i've brackets, got like a thousand followers first name <laughs> yeah so brackets first name they don't even test it um or they send you a book um, like it's just this long a book oh yeah like you know it's just that yeah, big yeah, in yeah. text not an actual book. and it's like hi saw your profile really fascinated in your industry i've been helping people in your sector blah 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 click this link now drop me a message let's connect blah 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 talk about something else Big picture at the bottom. I literally open it. If I open it and it fills the screen, you've got no... So I've actually got business out of this before because I messaged the guy back and say, does this work? And we're like, yeah, business <laughs> is great. Brilliant. So tell me, 
what are you doing at the moment? How do, and so I end up talking to these people on occasions if I've got nothing to do. And <laughs> but a lot of me can turn into being coaching clients because then you're like, you, I get what you're trying to do. And you're thinking message a hundred people. And if I get two people message and one people yeah. convert. Yeah. But actually all you're really doing is alienating a huge amount of people. Mm-hmm. It's the reaping and sowing. So you need to spend time sowing seeds, especially on social media, interacting on their posts. Or for example, if someone, if someone comments on your post and you take the time in the evening and you're having a glass of wine and you get your phone and you go through and you've got free comments. If you go and message all three of them, hey, listen, thanks for the support on my page. If you ever need any help with blah, 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 drop me a message. I'll give you a few free pointers. That's enough because you've set a seed. And also, that person's more likely to comment on your post next time around because they like getting that response. If you just go in with your big sales pitch, no one cares because it, 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 it doesn't show any of your personality. It doesn't show that you care. If you just send a, I always say text like a teenager, text like a teenage girl. One Literally, line. If, if, yeah. One line. <laughs> if, if you spend your time, yeah. yeah. And if you send a message, hey, thanks for the, like if someone follows you on social media, going off, hey, buy my product, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> if you just spend a second clicking on their profile, you see that they're in, they've got a big, whatever, four by four truck. Hey, man, thanks for the follow. See you into the trucks, blah, blah. And then to ask a question. Whenever you do that and ask a question, if they want to interact, they will. A lot of people make statements. Hey, man, really like your profile. And that's it. If you want someone to interact, ask a question. So if you send a big, long thing without a call to action or with, you're missing a big mis- uh, making a big mistake. But actually, even if you are lazy, you'd be better off taking that message and copy and pasting it into paragraphs if that's really the way you want to go. So at least it looks like you've wrote it out, but you're better off having a conversation with people. Everyone's trying to get the deal, but they're not doing the work. So my first thing is text like a teenager. Um, Secondly is questions. A lot of people out there ask questions just to get the answer that they want. Do you want more sales? Well, obviously, people sure. want more sales. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, who Are you not making you enough money? Like, like... <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's great. But if you, it's when you ask that question. So if you're engaging in a question, say me and you've been talking over DMs for on and off, and we've spoke five or six times. I'd say, listen, I don't know if you know, I'm a sales coach. I help people with blah, 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 blah. Let me know if that's ever of interest. Now, if you're in the mindset where I've made a friendly statement, and I've opened up a door. If you were like, actually, do you know what? I've got a bit of time. I would like more sales. We've already spoke a few times and he seems pretty genuine. So that opens up that point. At that point, you can then come back to me. Now, that doesn't mean I can't ever message you again, but there's no point in me telling you about my product. Well, I've got this fantastic tools and this will do this and this will do that. If features, you weren't even features, remotely, features. Yeah, features, 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 man. Best thing ever. No <laughs> one's ever made more money than they did with me. I had a guy message me the other day and he said, um, long message, no, no, no. I guarantee I can make you 200% more sales than you're getting now. No, straight away, it just makes no sense. You don't even know how many sales I do. Yeah, like what you're, if I'm making so one million me, sales? Good luck. Yeah, so you could send <laughs> that to Apple. 
you're so you're gonna you're suddenly gonna turn Apple a two hundred percent increase on their sales. Like it makes that you just lose all your credibility. When mm. actually turning around to someone and having a conversation after five or six messages back and forth, and you have a transition message from "Hey, been great chatting" to "Listen, not sure if you're interested, but." It opens up. This doesn't mean that person's buying from you, but you open up that line of conversation. Now, that might not work for them for a month. But if a month later, they're like, ah, I do need to look at someone or I need to recruit someone or I need a digital marketer. You're right. going to be more in their mind if you've been commenting on their stuff. So it takes like a teenager um, asking great questions. So if you're asking a question, don't ask stuff that's just going to get you a yes or a no. So it's basically so like, dumb. hey, David. What's the meaning of life? <laughs> that's, that's the opener. <laughs> From your perspective, if you want to, go down to make it more personal. <laughs> if, if you're going to ask someone's question, I always say what, who, when, how, and why. It's open questions. Mm. What the meaning of life? Not too sure. Um, <laughs> but do you know the thing is, you're better off doing that than saying, do you want more sales? Ugh. Because actually, you're, at least you're opening up a conversation. I don't text people about Corona. Oh, I don't my get God. That Hey man, how are you coping? How are you, how are you coping in the current climate? Together in a distance. Yeah. Hey man, hope your family's well. How are you coping in the climate? You don't care. You don't know my family. And this is the thing, being sincere is another point with this as well. True. If you're gonna ask questions, say if I text you now and I send you a message, hey, look at your profile, blah, 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 help people out in your SG if you're interested. If you want to send that message, that's cool. Now, if I put something in that message I'm not sincere about and you don't message me for a month, I will have forgot the insincere message I sent or the, what I meant with it. If you've been sincere, it doesn't matter if it takes a year for that person to come back to you. If I'm like, oh, well, I love dogs, right, and I don't, and me you message me later down the line and we're chatting and I forgot I've said this and I'm a cat person, you'll be like, you told me you like dogs. Oh, yeah, well... um, So Wait, being side tangents. Easy. Completely side tangent. Why cats? Because <laughs> there's a I whole like theory. Cats, no, Why no I don't like cats. I like. I cats actually like dogs? dogs. I don't like. No, I dogs. Hundred uh, percent dogs. Cats I just don't get them. I just don't like. I'm just not into it. Why? Why What about you? No, 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 it's it's. Uh, I have both, so I kind of like both, but I feel like I really? maybe more. Yeah, I, like people call me like I, I have a cat personality. <laughs> maybe. I really. I don't. Uh, I, don't I hope it means something good. <laughs> I can say, I, mean, I, I ask more questions. I don't know. I've just gone from saying I don't like cats to you telling me you've got a cat personality. I feel like I've just said the whole uh, one thing now. Yeah, I don't know. I hope it's been something good. I've never, like, I tried to dig further and they, like, couldn't really explain it. But anyways, like, there's a, a fun, like, little statistic I'm doing. Like, I, that's one of my favorite questions to ask, like, are you a dog or a cat person? I feel like from my empirical data... <laughs> <laughs> It kind of says like quite a lot about a person. So it says like you're either outgoing and you like being around people or that um, you don't like to, um, how, how can I put it? You don't like to invest so much in a person that you don't know. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. But, yeah. I don't know. It's interesting because I, I am doing like my own statistics, but <laughs> I like it. It is interesting stuff. And this is the thing with it. If you're going to be sincere about stuff, so say if yeah. I'm being insincere and I ask you that question and you're someone who's actually knowledgeable and you look into this stuff, it's never going to work because you're going to call someone out straight away on stuff like that. And if you've been sincere, it doesn't matter. 
because you're always going to have that sincerity. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah like, why I, bother I, lying? <laughs> like, why, why bother being yeah, sincere? I, 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 it's I like mean, a shared life. Why, what's the point? <laughs> if you're going to spend your time, especially in sales, you're building relationships. And if you're going to build the relationship um, in sincerity, it's going to be short-lived. It's not going to help you long-term. You're not going to build the... You might get short-term success, but you're going to alienate those very same people that you're with. Because if you become a student of mine and we're working together for the next two years and I got you on board because I pretended to like cats and this and that, and we're talking once every fortnight, after a while, you'll be like, wow, he just lied his way through. He said all this stuff. And it's just going to alienate you. Actually, if you find there's enough people on the planet, you just need to find the people that are similar to you, that have the same interest, is to be sincere. And it's a lot more enjoyable to do that as well. True. Tell me about, more about the horror stories as well, because I'm, I'm so curious. All, all about like, what, people horrible messaging mistakes. Me? Yeah, the horrible mistakes people make in sales, not necessarily in messages. Oh, in sales. Um, Maybe you should make one a of the big... whole segment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, like, just like a the, whole like, Instagram page of terrible it, It'd be easy mistakes. to do. And I, I think with a lot of the stuff I talk to people about now, on, on my wall especially, I do a lot of stuff on there about mistakes because a lot of the mistakes people make, I sort of understand the logic behind what they're doing but they're mm-hmm. just doing it in a complete backward way. Um, <laughs> so, for example, if I'm t- if people are in a sale, they'll, they'll be you'll get mixed messages from different sales trainers. So you'll hear people say, like, always go for the close. You should always be closing the deal. Now, yes, that is true. You should try and move towards a sale if you're in a presentation, but by doing the right thing. You don't want to turn around and say, well, hi, great to speak to you. Do you want to buy my product? Like, that's not- <laughs> buy, buy, buy. And I, yeah, <laughs> and, I, I know people, and I know people, I know a guy before, and he literally would turn around and say, um, he would do his introduction to say that you've, you've shown interest in a product. He sent you out some info. He's now phoned you up to do the presentation. And he would say, I like to get my first objection out of the way at the start. So he literally would introduce himself, say, listen, great to talk to you today. Um, it's 15,000 pounds, were you ready to buy it straight away? Now, straight away, no one's really ever going to say this. Now, his science behind it was, I like to get that objection out of the way to know where the head is. I went, yeah, but at the same time, you've never even spoke to this person before. Yeah, it's like and a you're going into it. Pick, Yeah, straight in there. And I'm going, the shock and awe factor. <laughs> so then you go through something. Okay, well, what you want to do is do trial closes. So talk to them about something, find out, is that a good fit for you? Would this work well in your company? Would you see your team liking this? So you're not asking for an order, um, but you are trial closing. So you're asking questions that are leading you towards a final destination. Um, and so, so many times, people don't want to put the work in. Um, for some reason, if a salesperson's had a long day, they feel like the end of the day sales should take less effort because they've had so much rejection, but they just want to get an easy deal, um, which is just mental. But, yeah, but it's again, like, it's, it's 9 p.m., 15 grand, yes or no, I'm going. Yeah, do you, want to, do you want it or not? And I've had to, I had a guy um, a couple of years ago who contacted me about a product, which I won't say what it is because it'd be quite obvious what it was. Um, <laughs> and literally, he was, he was talking about 15 minutes. And I'm a big believer in asking questions. 
So I've done uh, probably more talking here, but that's because I'm on your podcast. If we were talking about a product, you would be talking more because we'd be asking you because I want to know what you want out of something. And with this guy, he literally spoke for 15 minutes. I probably spoke eight, nine times. That was it. And literally yes or no's. And I said to him, I was like, I'm not really, I just feel like I'm just listening to you, like talk at me. And he's like, well, do you want the product or not? After what I've just said, this is definitely not the time to ask if I want to buy it. Like this isn't. Wow. Like, yeah. what's the hell? But this, and this was, he was, he was, um, it was in a late morning. He was in the States. So obviously he was towards the end of his day. And this is the big problem with people on time zones. Your moods can be very different. And he was like, well, do you want to buy it or not? And I'm like, and I, I literally, Hold you on. People, <laughs> what? Yeah. And you're like, hang on a minute. So you just took what I said as a buying signal. But what he was really saying was, I'm tired. I've had enough. I've had a busy day. I've had a terrible day. Just help me out. Which none of that works. None of that's what it's about. And people like that, unfortunately, he'd been better off not making that call to me. He'd mm-hmm. been better off going outside for 10 minutes, having some fresh air, having a cigarette, whatever he's doing, changing his mood, getting into a state where he got on that phone call. He was excited to talk about his product or that he knew he could help or had it um, in line with, with, with what we could do. And that's the problem with a lot of it for people. They, they spend their time wanting the deal over actually paying attention to what the buyer needs or wants. Mm. Basically, yeah, yeah. It's interesting how you it's it's so governed by your states instead of so much the the the, the actual like trying to connect with a person and see <laughs> whether you would be a right fit. It's it's just That's like 100%. you know what I've had enough today. I'm sorry, bye. Like, why would you burn it's, a lid like look, that? Yeah, but look at it in other areas. Look at things like football, like an American football or football. Mm. If if you're playing a sport. And you're literally going to have a gut shoot a goal. And go, I don't even know why I'm bothering with this. I'm not going to score. Like it's just <laughs> pointless. You even just like unless you luck it in. So there's just no logic behind that mentality. You're mm. better off coming off a field and letting someone else take over. And people just get so self-absorbed. And but this is the difference that, that really pulls apart from the people that are really successful and people that get a little bit here and there. It's the stamina and the ability to go through rejection, failure, and come out with it with, without a loss of enthusiasm and a loss of effort. Um, I think mm. everyone messes up. Everyone makes mistakes. And if you've gone through a day where you make three sales a day and you haven't made anything, by acting up, you know you're not going to go and get a sale from that anyway. So, I mean, what do you expect to say? Do you, do you want it or not? And I'll go, oh, you're gone. Oh, really? Oh, brilliant. Thanks. What is like, this, it's like, not peer gonna... pressure? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's not going to work. So, yeah, I, I and I, for doing sales for 20 years, it's not just sales calls I've had or sales teams I've trained, but even being in rooms where you hear other people, um, just arguing with people. Um, and frustrations come out with stuff. Yeah, but the problem is a lot of time out there, people get frustrated, and they hold on to those frustrations, and they take it to the next call as if it's the next person's fault. <laughs> hey, dude! Well, if, by the way, I mean, yeah. like, just hello. Do you want to buy this product from me? Because yeah. nobody's buying I, it. Maybe you. Yeah, would. <laughs> I'm having a terrible day. All I do is talk to people who just mess me about. Do you want to buy it or not? And you're just like, oh yeah, cool. Please let me help you out because I don't know you or care. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, it's yeah. nuts. It is crazy. I mean, at least it's a memorable call. At least, like, if I would have gotten one, I would be like, ooh, that's a story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You get a story out of it. But again, if you work in a business, the business is not going to look at that and go, that's a great result. <laughs> at least it's memorable. Because a few of those, and it's a complaint you're getting, aren't you? So mm. it, it's fun. It, I always think it's funny with sales. You'll get a lot of people who see the same mistakes. So you'll get people that, oh, no one's ever answering. And it's always that same person that always says no one's answering. Or all I'm doing is talking to idiots. And you, do, you the Why people so? are negative, but they, they just seem to, well, because they look for the excuse. Mm. They have the mentality. I get but they, they, what, Like we say before about you get what you think about and what you work towards. If you're going into every call thinking, oh, everyone I talk to is an <laughs> idiot. You're not going into it in the right attitude anyway. So even if that person was lovely, your terrible attitude is going to rub off on them. What's the secret about like building that resilience? Is it generating this kind of like mood and motivation inside of you? Is it is just is it being just like bulletproof? What what, what is it? Because like no, I heard some people saying like oh just like detach from the process, do not involve your like true self into it. And I've heard no, people say, like, I don't know. Just listen to cool music in between calls or something. I, I, I think it's, it, it's everything's different for your personality. Hmm. I think with, I think doing, the, doing the, the small processes every single time make a difference. If you are doing a good introduction, if you've got a good script and a good product and you know what to say and when, and you are effective. If you're not effective, it's because if you're nervous about sales or nervous about closing or nervous about objection handling, it's because you're not effective enough. So if you're not getting the results that you're that you want, more than likely it's something you're doing. Unless you work in a job where they're giving you leads that were don't work or whatever it might be. But if you're getting leads from a business and other people are selling well and you're not, it's something you're doing. Because just by the numbers, if you're in a room of 20 salespeople and you're fifth from the bottom consistently, that means that the other people, the other 15, are doing something different to you. Now, yes, sometimes it could be the fact that men like buying from women and they're women and they buy from more. People do have different voices. But again, that's your choice on the way that you speak. Mm. If you've got something where you don't want to talk, change the way you talk because... I talk really fast and I have to slow back down because I find myself speeding up. If you're someone who doesn't want to make a lot of effort, if you don't want to learn new skills, if you don't want to adapt on rejection, if you don't want to, if you don't want to change, we all evolve as people, but a lot of people seem to get to the stage of being, for example, 22 and they're like, I'm not changing for this job. I'm not changing for this. I'm, Excuse me? It's what? just... Who says no, that? No, I've, I've seen people. Well, I, listen, if they don't want to buy from me for who I am, uh, and they hear crazy stuff. <laughs> but that's just in life. People say crazy things because wow. they sell themselves on this idea. But actually, they're too good for the job or they're too... The way they do it's right, everyone else is wrong. And that's fine. If you want to live your life that way, you can. But at the same time, if everyone else is up here on results, I'm not saying life, if be yourself in life. If you're in a sales job and everyone else is up here and you're down here, you've got a choice. Carry on being at the bottom or do the things that people do at the top. Mm. Learn, study, adapt, change. 
You know, I've I've seen some people actually learning, they like actively trying to learn and be better. But the thing, like, they have that identity of like I'm the worst one of the group, and that's what holds them, like, holds them back. And that's why I'm like, you know, what what is is it actually experience and skill that propels you forward, or is it something that is you know just a little bit on the non scientific? I think it's ex- range. I think it's execution with stuff. Mm. I would never starting off in sales a natural um salesperson if the people were doing five i was getting two so i was getting deals but nowhere near as high and there was a point where you get to the stage where you look at other people and if you look at the people at the top and you're like i hate them right if you have that mentality you're never going to get to that stage if you Mm -hmm. look at those people and go oh why am i not there then you're going to be inquisitive you're going to find out you'll ask them questions same with people out there I like growing up, I knew someone, a family member, and he's like, all all rich people, and he'd swear, all rich people are terrible, right? Then he used to moan that he wasn't rich. I'm going, but you look back now, and I'm like, well, clearly, you, your subconscious hears you hate on people that are rich. So why would your brain ever help yeah. you try and find money making opportunities? <laughs> exactly. So, and, and this is what happens to it. So if you're at the lower end and you're, and if you work in a terrible company where you don't like the people at the top, I get it. But change jobs. Because you can't expect if those people are That's killing the game. And do, yeah. yeah. Like, do not when, settle. Do, do not say yes. Like, oh, this is normal. This is how it's going to be in every job. Like, just lower your standards. Now you know what you hate and say, like, I yeah, don't yeah. want that. And go from there. So, so much so. And I, I think this is what happens with a lot of people out there. Is they're very quick to go. It's the job, it's the lead, it's the product. And you go, okay, cool. So tell me what you do on a daily basis. And if that person is turned around and go, listen, I get up in the morning and I listen to a podcast. I write down things I can learn from that day. I study on my sales craft and I get to the office. I get myself in a good mindset. I do 200 calls on a day. I pitch everyone five times. I listen to my recordings. I do, but if you're doing all of that and you're still not getting the results, but yes, it might just be the fact that it's like the job that you don't like. The environment might need to change, right? Because you've tried everything. But if you're at a stage where you go, listen, I'm great at sales. I've had big results before. It's just a company. Like, and, and then you follow them around for the day and they turn up 10 minutes late. They're chewing, chewing gum while they're on the phone. They're trying to chat to their mate while someone's answering. They're not paying attention to what they're doing. They're not committed to the craft. And then you're not getting the results. It's Is easy gum to pass noticeable? Blame. You can notice it, yeah. It, but again, it depends how you chew gum. If you subtly <laughs> chew gum, yeah. If you're da, 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 if you're doing that, wow. Like if yeah. yeah, so you can. And also, if you're mid sentence and chewing gum, and someone hears that, do you know what I'm saying? If you've got chewing gum in your mouth and you can keep it to the side of your mouth when you're talking, but no yeah. one's gonna know. But if you're sat there doing that or slurping on a drink in the middle of a conversation, <laughs> there's just things out there, but there's subtle things. Slurping that, yes, on a, lot a of the time, call, like what? <laughs> I know, but this is what I'm saying. You've got people have to look at what they're doing now. If you're, and this is the thing, people at the top tier that are doing really well would look at that and go, "That makes no sense. Why would anyone do it?" The person who's slurping, it's like, oh, it doesn't matter. They weren't going to buy anyway. Like they'll find an excuse why it uh, wasn't that thing. Yeah, it's basically like self-sabotaging because massively to comply with that belief. 
Huh. Hugely, hugely. It makes a massive difference. Oh, okay. Well, to wrap it off, give me the last like horror story of sales that you have encountered in your experience because they're so much fun. <laughs> um, Carl, what else can we talk about? Trying to think whatever what, what, I've got a story, but I can't say it because it's so obvious to the person if they ever listen to this, but it's about them because it was in a very small company. Um we cannot name I don't names. Know. Yeah, I know that's what I'm saying. No, I can't. <laughs> this is the problem because I work really closely with quite a few people. Um and some of their horror stories do, do they do amuse me, but the <laughs> <laughs> okay. so thing is what what I think with a lot of stuff, you get people that make some crazy mistakes. Um mm-hmm. and they're not always Sometimes it's the person and they made a massive mistake and it's just inherent for them. They just always, you get some people that just make mistakes all the time and it becomes a running joke. But there's other people out there that make shocking mistakes, but it's just a lapse of judgment mm. or they weren't paying attention. And for those things, I would never want to bring them up because, you know, actually, it's not a direct yeah. reflection on them. They just made a massive mistake on that day. I know a guy before who shouted down the phone at a guy. And literally, the guy was having a go, so he had to go and swore down the phone. And as soon as he got off that phone call, he's just like, "You just." He knew what he'd done. He got caught up. He got pent up. He'd had a terrible day, a shocking month. He let his outside problems come into work, um, mm-hmm. and so he lost it. So then, phoning up this the, the prospect, apologising, he went back and apart. So he's move it all over. But there's people out there that do that on a daily basis, but are rude to someone down the phone. And this is all that ends up happening. If someone's ever had someone who's been on the phone to them and they've had a salesperson be rude to them, next time when you say no and someone's rude, all that happens is you go, ah, oh, do you know what? I was right not to ask my phone. <laughs> because it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because then you're like, listen, if, you, if you've got a, 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 I don't normally buy for phone because I had someone who's rude to me, and they have a go at you, all that happens is you go, oh, I was right. <laughs> the only person's day it ruins is the salesperson's because the other person gets on the phone and goes, idiot, and they get on with their lives. The salesperson goes off and holds on to this like it's a big yeah. thing. How dare they talk to me about this? I've done and go through and tell. They love telling a lot of people in sales will relate to this, but they've known most people in offices they've worked at. But literally get off a call and they tell everyone in the office everything that happened on that call. And then he said to me, and then I said this, and then this happened, and literally no one cares. All they're doing is justifying why they didn't get the deal. All they're yeah. doing is trying to mask the fact it wasn't their fault. And it's purely their insecurities, but they're just trying to mask by telling everyone else, yeah, it wasn't me. John was an idiot. He said this, and then John said that. But, um, but actually, yeah. and everyone, no one else cares. I was Literally thinking maybe no they were trying to, like, trying to bounce it off other people and see what they respond. In no, sense, like, I think a lot of the time. Second feedback. Because everyone, get, everyone had bad sales calls. Everyone yeah. in their life will have bad. That's going to happen. If you turn, that's like turn around and dating and going, listen, I went out on a date and this guy said that and she said this and this happened. And that. a lot of the time you go, well, what do you do? Oh, nothing. I was perfect, really. <laughs> but yeah, you might occasionally go on a bad date. But you know, those people that always have bad experiences on dates. You go, well, yeah. all of the people that you've ever got on with have done these crazy things. Do you yeah. not think there's any? No, no, no. It's listen, them. I'm perfect. It's them. Mm. What are you talking about? And you- I feel like it's a really fun parallel that you just drew that sales are very, very similar to dating. Mm. Like massively. Mm-hmm. I think I think it I think it massively, massively links um with, with so many areas. 
Um, and I think a lot of the time with the analogies, we can all we can all take an analogy from dating and link it. A lot of times training with people in sales. If you take a story of something you're teaching um, and compare it to an analogy of dating, it takes them out of the situation of thinking about a sale, but it takes them to a past memory of a date. So it's easy to relate. Um, so it's a lot easier for learning with people of that as well, because everyone's been out on a shocking date at some point. It doesn't mean you stop dating. Like it, it just, and, but, 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 but for some people, it does. Some people will go on one bad date and that's it. I'm done. I knew it was going to be a terrible idea. I knew dating wasn't for me. I knew this was pointless. And then they don't. Now, the only person that, that damages is them. They stay single. But wanting, or, if you're single, you're happy. That's fine. But if you're single, saying there's no good men out there, there's no good women out there, there's no good relationships. The system the is screwed. Yeah. The only person out there losing is you sat home talking to your friends. Well, you and the friend, because they've got to listen to you. <laughs> and listening to you moan because everyone else is out there enjoying the world. Everyone else is out there dating. Mm. Everyone else is out there overcoming the hurdles and the nerves and all the other stuff. And it's that, that's exactly the same as sales. Because <laughs> if you're at the bottom of a board in a sales company, the people at the top of the board are just not bothered about you. They're not. But a lot of the people at the bottom want to justify why they're there. Yeah. Oh, it's all right for you because you do this or you get there or you get a window seat or whatever nonsense <laughs> they'll come up with. And they do. People come up with crazy ones because they want to justify why they're not doing it. And for some people, if they have put all the effort in, if they are being a great student and they're doing all the work and they're not getting the results, yes, I feel for them. How, often how does long it have happen, you done though? it for? Not often. I think a lot of the time it's people, people give up, people have it. You can do all the work, you can do all the learning, mm -hmm. but if you don't spend time applying it, it's a big difference between doing it in sales and being a sports star. Say if I want to become a professional golfer, actually, I might not have the skills, my hand-eye coordination, I might not just be able to master it. So if we look at it sales. If I can't think quickly on my feet and I cannot train my brain to do so, then yes, being top tier of sales will be difficult. But if you haven't spent the last two years trying, how do you know? I play golf quite a lot. I know I'm never going to be good at golf. But I say that as a justification as why I wouldn't, why I justify when I go to play golf with my friends. And I'm happy to sound terrible because it's my safety mechanism, right? right. But imagine if I had to get up every day when it's raining and go and play golf. Every day mm -hmm. when it's pouring down in the winter to practice. Imagine how much better I would be if I did that every day for a year. I'd be loads better. Wouldn't necessarily be a pro, but I'd be a lot better than I am now. And that's the big thing. A lot of people try a little bit of practicing. They try a lot of effort for a small amount of time. I'm like, mm, I read the books. I did friend. the podcast. I did this. Yeah. I did that. I did it. How long did you do it for? Two weeks, right? Okay. <laughs> right. And you're not, you're not a millionaire yet. <laughs> and this is what yeah. happens, especially mm. with jobs you know, that have a long sales cycle. Some people out there will put all the effort in for 100 calls. Oh, yeah, it didn't work. Okay, brilliant. Well, let's just give up. Imagine <laughs> saying that to a baby. Oh, yeah, mate, you've tried walking twice now. Let's just not... Walking's not <laughs> for not you. not <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just, all right. We'll just get your wheelchair. We got, <laughs> we've got loads of cool motorized one now. It'd be cool. We'll have some lights on it. Don't worry about it. Like, it just <laughs> makes no sense. Even no. saying it out of our mouth, there's no sense. But we do that in ourselves. Our brains are more evolved, we're smarter, we know more, and we still then justify it, but we won't do what a baby will do.
<laughs> well, we have excuses. Babies can't can't figure out them yet. Exactly. So basically, they don't know anything better. Best advice in sales: be a baby. Yeah, be, yeah, be more like a baby. I I once said to someone to be more like Ed Sheeran. I watched a video before about Ed Sheeran, the singer, about like all that. I mean. That, that kid growing up, he wasn't the most handsome kid. Big, thick glasses. You could see him outside, like, the shopping centres playing to no one. Probably getting ridiculed and picked on by his mates. Mm. He could have given up at any point. At any point. The resilience he had to have for all the stuff. Even just learning the piano, it takes years, in your mum's front room or going to lessons. Like, all of this stuff. And then everyone's now like, oh, yeah, it's all right for Ed Sheeran, isn't it? Just because he's ginger, he can sing a little bit. No, he's done a lot more than just be ginger and sing. But like, for mean, years. <laughs> like, yeah. But it's true, right? And this is the thing with it. People need to take... It's easy to look at people who have achieved something and go, oh, it's right for them. They've got luck. Yeah. But like, actually, look at they haven't even looked... <laughs> He was it's ginger, glasses, singing yeah. outside. Come on. <laughs> It'd be more cheering. Exactly, yeah. but you just look at stuff, and it's easy to find. It's a lot easier find the excuses out there of why it won't work for us and, and why why we can't do it. But I think for other people out there, the fear is: what if I don't try? What if mm-hmm. I don't make the effort? Like I wake up early. I would love to have a lion, but I wake up today. I think I was up at quarter to five. Most days I wake up at half five without an alarm, so I don't really sleep great. I would like to, but I have two choices. Get annoyed with not sleeping or get up and work. And then by nine o'clock, most days I've done more than most people have done by two in the afternoon. So then my progress is more. I have a choice, mode about being tired or enjoy the journey. Enjoy getting up. Enjoy seeing the sunrise every day. There's a lot out there that we could like um, and sort of appreciate more, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like as well when you wake up early and you go to sleep late you kind of feel like you just hacked your life. You hacked the time because people yeah. say, I don't have any time. Like just wake up earlier. <laughs> By the yeah, way, I, I, when you I, said- I, I struggle at, people say to me, uh, I don't have time. I'm like, what time do you get up? Like everyone. And, and they, a lot of people 10, say, oh, I do 11. like everyone else. <laughs> yeah. I'll get up at 10 or even they tell me and go, Oh, well, I get up at half seven. Um, I get to the office for 10 and I do this. And I, so a lot of the students, when I talk to them, I said, you just need to be able to learn 20 minutes a day. Take 20 minutes a day to learn of just nothing else, just learning 20 minutes. And over the space of a year, the change you get is dramatic. It's 20 hours. I don't know if I've got time. Really? How much time do you spend on social media at night? How much time do you end up playing Call of Duty or whatever it might be? There's always, I've got a friend, he gets a train to London every day. It's about an hour and 20 minutes every day. He's like, with travel, I don't get the time. I'm like, what do you do on the train? Exactly. Well, I have a sleep. And he's like, well, I have a sleep. You've just had a night's sleep. You've just been asleep all night. So you get up, you get dressed, you get on a train, and you thought, he's like, well, yeah. I'm like, you don't see, like, I, just, I was just like, I don't uh, You're hopeless. I can't explain it to everyone. Yeah. What can you do? Yeah, what can you do? That's true. I mean, unless the person arrives to there themselves. Like, it's, it's something that I feel like I've seen in my life work quite often. I... There's a saying in Russian that goes something like um, smart, like the stupid people learn on their own mistakes and smart people learn on the mistakes of the stupid people. But then if you think about it, like smart people learn from stupid people, (laughs) which is also funny, but it's, it's hard for me to like, I feel like it's, it's so much easier 
not to listen to an advice, but like to arrive mm. to a certain extent when it kind of lands in you. I like, think when, when, when you're ready to, like, this, like when people say, when the student is ready, the master will appear. And I think when exactly. we're ready, we see stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I think a lot of the time with stuff when we're learning for ourselves, it's very easy to see stuff. And sometimes we, we, when we learn it, we're suddenly, oh, do you know what? I've been hearing this for a year. But actually, we weren't ready to listen to it. We heard yeah. it, but we weren't ready to listen to it. Or we've heard and listened to it five times, but we weren't ready to action it. Um, and we weren't ready to make change with it. Or we weren't ready to put the effort in. And I think it makes a big difference. Yeah, or you didn't see sense in it, or it was the wrong person. All right, to wrap it up, tell me either a book recommendation or some kind of resource recommendation that you feel like drastically changed your life. Uh, the Four Agreements. I'll find it, two, six. <laughs> Ooh, physical form of a book. The physical form, ugliest book cover ever. The Four wow. Agreements by... It looks like Harry Potter covers. I know, yeah, it's the worst cover. Don <laughs> Miguel Ruiz. Um, really, really good. Really, really good. But the, the co- I show people it because the cover is terrible. <laughs> but yeah, really, really good. Don't judge the book by its cover. Why? Exactly. Give me a teaser. Why, why, why so? Um, no I, again, like we were saying earlier, it, it casts itself as a practical guide to personal freedom. Um, mm. And the four agreements in there are just a really good foundation. But the way it's explained and the examples used and the foundations it used, especially over the first chapter, resonated with me massively so a lot of we said earlier a lot of the stuff i'd heard before and i even i knew it but i heard it differently in this book mm. and it stuck so it wasn't it just came in my ear and fell out again it came in my ear and it was gone normally with this I, i've read this book some books i'll read over and over again i've read this twice and i probably will never read it again but the couple of things that really resonated with me like thought processes overall based off the two the first two chapters especially in this and i think they'll stay with me for life wow okay looking forward to reading that one well thank you for having you here wait that was wrong <laughs> thanks, thanks for having me for, yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was i was so like i was like okay i should buy this one <laughs> it's like it should, thanks it's for good. having you here what was that yeah thank you for being on my show <laughs> No, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed today.